the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com. Or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. are in the house thanking you for joining us thanks for being a part of the program tonight from 
here at this great station. Jacob is not with me tonight, as you may remember from our former program. We talked a little bit about where he would be. He is out in Arizona with his family. They are celebrating the wedding of his one of his daughters, and so he's out there. He'll be calling in just to say hello and to keep a program promise. We talked about, uh, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember when it was, John, that we mentioned at the end of the program the topic of circumcision. It came up in one of our the books of, uh, I think, of Galatians or Colossians. I forget which one, uh, maybe both. And we came up at the end of the program, and he was not able to speak to it. Uh, but we talked a little bit today by phone, and we both remembered that I had, I had a promised on that program. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll come back to that topic. We'll we'll come back and let you uh, say what was on your mind about it. And uh, so he, being a man of integrity, said, "You know, we told our listeners we were going to try to uh, speak to that, so we ought to we ought to keep our promise there." And I and I agree, a hundred percent. And frankly, uh, knowing what he's going to say. Uh, it is really a point worth making. It is, uh, I think, a very an interesting point and one that we would like to um, visit uh, with you about. It, it's not huge. It's not earth-shattering. It doesn't change the way we understand the biblical message or anything of, of that nature. But uh, it is a very important point. In fact, it kind of uh, helps us to have more confidence in the biblical text that has come to us even today. So uh, Jacob will be calling in uh, in the program here, probably here somewhere in this first segment, and we'll visit with him about that topic. It's uh, relevant in all of um, our readings, and particularly I think now that we're in the... um, Tonight we are covering several books of the New Testament and the Old. As you know, we read... uh, 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight, Monday through Friday. And we read straight through the Old and New Testaments, uh, bouncing back and forth from one to the other. So we, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old uh, uh, Testament, we are into, we will be going back, we went back this past week and started the book of Isaiah. Chapters one through fourteen, and those are tremendous chapters, and we'll we'll get to that. The book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, these prophets—they uh, are more and more relevant to our lives um, with every passing year. It seems uh, I used to wonder about some of those uh, prophets, not not their authenticity or anything, but uh, I, I had to really struggle to kind of comprehend how could the people be so stubborn, so. Uh, so well, I got the stupid word "stupid" comes to mind to walk away from God, who had shown Himself to be so kind and good and loving and faithful. How could they possibly be so so mindless as to walk away from God and, in, and into all the troubles and all the problems uh, and all the the complications and the suffering that it brought to them and to their country? And yet here we are doing the same thing. Uh, this great nation of America in the 21st century, we are in the process and have been for uh, probably in a very concerted way, 50 or 60 years, walking away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. Uh, this, uh, The worship 
of God has has really been an incredible blessing to America. It has, I think personally, that it is the number one reason for the greatness of our nation. There are other factors that God used, but uh, our Constitution, our nation's founders, they have a biblical worldview. It's very clear and evident. It's provable. Uh, It's actually very demonstrable that uh, our nation was built on a biblical worldview and it was that biblical worldview that has protected us and carried us uh, to greatness and to great power, to great wealth, to prosperity, and to great health as a society. It has been a great blessing to us. But we are walking away from so many of those very crucial, very important biblical uh, values. And uh, we are walking doing it to our own detriment, to our own uh, Suffering and of course the suffering of our children and grandchildren, uh, they will to a great extent suffer many of the consequences of uh, this godless generation. But as I was saying, it has made uh, it has made the scriptures come alive in a way that I had never understood before, especially those prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, and others that warned the people of Israel during their times as well about their sin and its consequences. So uh, we went back to the book of Isaiah, but earlier in the week, this past week, we've read uh, from the books of First and Second Timothy. We read from Titus, those two, uh, these are two young men, Timothy and Titus, two young pastors that Paul wrote to. And then we read that short little letter from Paul to his friend uh, Philemon, Philemon, and about this... Uh, about this individual, uh, Onesimus, and so uh, we we have that short letter. Those two short, those two letters, Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon, and then we'll go back and get questions tonight as well from the first fourteen chapters of Isaiah. Let me start off giving you some questions and get our program started. As you know, I'll put the questions out there. As soon as you hear one, you can answer. You give us a call three four zero ninety five eighty five three forty. 9585, and I'll bring you up. We'll answer some questions and talk a little bit about the scriptures or about something maybe on your mind. Maybe you saw the um, uh, presidential uh, debate uh, this week. The uh, At least what, how many candidates were there, 10 or 17 or so, uh, in the Republican um uh, vying for the Republican nomination for the presidency? Uh and so maybe you saw those. Maybe you'd like to sound off about something uh, there or other current events of our society. We're trying hard to help us get a biblical understanding. Bring the scriptures not out of 2,000, 3,000 years in the past. They are that, and they're relevant then, and they're true then. And we can see that, but they're true today as well. And maybe you can talk. Uh, we can talk about the meaning and significance of some of these passages for the times in which we live, even here now, centuries later. Um, there is a well-known worship hymn based that is that is written and based on Psalm one hundred four. If you happen to know what is the well-known worship hymn that is based on Psalm one hundred. Four. Okay, let me give you another question now. From uh, that was from Psalms. Let me give you a question from the um, Proverbs. This comes from Proverbs chapter twenty-six. Proverbs twenty-six says, "Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to what? Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to what?" 
Okay, in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 8. Proverbs 26, verse 8. Here's another one from Proverbs 25. A city without walls is defenseless, just like a person without what? Proverbs 25, verse 28. A city without walls is defenseless, just like a person who has no what? Proverbs 25, verse 28. Uh, then let's go on to uh, the book of Timothy. Uh, let me give a couple. I want to try to give some questions here that are a little bit easier as we move through. This is one that's important. Uh, it's important to our radio, pro- our radio program, The Bible Live. Until Paul could visit Timothy, he told the young pastor to focus his ministry on doing what? Until Paul could visit Timothy personally, he told the young pastor to focus his ministry on doing what? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. It might even surprise you what he uh, encouraged Timothy to be doing, all right? But it has to do, it's, it's related in some way to this radio program, the Bible Live radio program. Okay, let's go further then down. And who led Timothy to faith in Christ? Who led Timothy to faith in Messiah and nurtured him and helped him to grow in his faith to become uh, a committed young believer and one actually committed to the point of of, uh, dedicating his life to serving the church and to serving the Lord? Look in 2 Timothy now, the second letter of Paul to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. It tells who led Timothy to Christ and nurtured him in his faith. All right, that's Timothy. Let's go to Titus. Titus was a young pastor who was working with the churches on an island. What was the island that Titus was uh, pastoring churches there on this island? What island was it? That's found in chapter 1 of the book of Titus, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. All right, let's see here. Let's go to the book of uh, Philemon, uh, Philemon we call him. In Paul's letter to Philemon, who is Onesimus? Who is Onesimus? Uh, that would be, it's a very short uh, book, uh, just one chapter long. Uh, and it's a letter, a very personal, private letter from Paul to an individual, not to a church, not to a, a region or a group of churches, but to an individual. He writes this letter, a, a wealthy believer, uh, and he writes to him and about this person named Onesimus. Who was Onesimus? That's found in chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. Now then, let's go for some questions from the book of Isaiah, and you can give us a call at 340-9585, 340 9585 if you'd like to answer any of these questions, all right? From book of Isaiah... We have uh, this question. Ooh, that's a little bit of a hard question. I'm going to um, lay away from that one. Let me see what else I've got here. Um, hmm. At the end of chapter 3, at the end of chapter 3, Isaiah, uh, like Jeremiah later on, Isaiah gives a warning of judgment to a specific group of Jerusalem citizens. And you, again, might be surprised at this at the group and who it was. Uh, but that's my question. Who was it? 
at the end of chapter 3, Isaiah gives a warning of judgment to what specific group of Jerusalem's citizens? Find that in uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Isaiah three sixteen through 26. He addresses a specific group of citizens of Jerusalem about their sin and their rebellion against God. Uh, let me go to another one. Let's go to that famous chapter uh, 6. This is the, uh, the vision of uh, God that led to uh, Isaiah committing his life to serve God as a prophet. Uh, what vision of God did Isaiah have? What vision of God did Isaiah have that resulted in his commitment to serve God as a prophet? And you can look in chapter 6 of Isaiah, verses 1 through 13. Now, if you'd like to give me a call and answer any of these questions, you can call 340-9585. That's the local line, 210-ERI code. If you're dialing long distance, you can do uh, maybe what Jacob has done. I don't know what number he's called in on, but you could call the 8... Um, Eight seven seven six thirty five seven five seven. So, if you'd like to answer any of those questions, give us a call. Let me bring Jacob up on the airwaves with me. Hello, my friend. How are you doing from out in Arizona? Well, I am okay. I am now. Uh, I now have a daughter that's married, and I have less money, and uh, everything <laughs> is accomplished. However, well, I, I thought that would just have with it just comes with having a daughter in the first place. But I guess uh, <laughs> when they get well, married, it's... <laughs> uh, I I, uh, I I passed on my daughter to her husband, and so I suspect that I will uh, only get calls. When necessary. All right. That's great. Great. And from the grandson, and that's no problem at all either. How's right, Tavin yeah. doing, by the way? Tavin is doing just fine. In fact, he's uh, he's pretty tuckered out right now. He's in there watching some cartoon or some show. Okay. But he's, uh, he's pretty tuckered out right now. I bet so. I bet it's been a big week for him. Well, I'm glad to hear from you, Jacob. I've already told the people why we... Why, uh, we were going to talk about it, why we you insisted on calling, because we made a promise, and we said we were going to address this topic, and we didn't, you being the man of integrity that you are, you remembered, and you wanted to make sure we kept our promise. So let's talk about this theme of circumcision. It came up, I believe, when we were reading, uh, I, I think it was Galatians or perhaps Colossians, I can't remember which, but uh, it was the theme of circumcision. Yeah, and yeah. you you said you had something very interesting to say about it, and we didn't have time to get it in. So let's well, that's, let's that's, hear it. That's right. It was uh, Galatians, as I recall. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I said I'd call in and go out tonight for a couple minutes. Yeah, and uh, this is something very interesting. You know, you hear everybody talk about it, everybody preach about it, but as you and I have discussed, and I I like to play a little game, and I'll say, okay, in the Bible. Where does it say what part of the body you're supposed to circumcise? Is it your ear, your nose, your finger, or what? <laughs> and everybody knows, but it's not in the Bible. So, but how do we know? Because of oral tradition. So every time you hear, you know, any preacher, anybody talking about, they're, they're correct, of course. But how do they know? They don't know from the Bible. They know from the oral tradition that the Jews have always used. That is so, it is interesting to me, and it's surprising, because you would think somewhere along the line it would be uh, made clear what part of the body is being cut away. It comes close, I guess, um, 
even in the Galatians passage, it comes close, but it never actually says specifically what part of the body body is being cut away. And I like I thought that was a point worth making because. Um, Sometimes when we're trying to interpret Scripture and get the right meaning and the right understanding of what we do have written out for us, we do talk about the fact that, well, oral tradition is, or a Jewish tradition, as it has been passed down, tells informs us a little bit about this. And some people are a little bit wary of that, and they, they kind of, well, that that's, that could be anything. And it's, it's well, not as uncertain and, and it's not as uh, unspecific and... and and unclear uh, as it might seem it, it it is quite accurate because of the Jewish people were so so conscientious about these stories that was there was a great deal of trouble taken to make sure what was being passed on is accurate and complete and and uh, it is passed on accurately to the next generation uh, that's right and uh, i will tell you just uh, but i first of all also agree with uh, some people's uh, apprehension about taking things at face value, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, but the, um, it's because it can be wrong, and it can be right. absolutely intentionally or unintentionally misleading. But it's also something that uh, if everybody agrees and everybody knows, and of course that's why the Jews always, they don't have just like one leader, they have a committee, you might say, <laughs> and everybody basically has the reason out. But I'll give you another example. Uh-huh. And you know, I know you, you already know this, but wedding rings, headstones. What is the ceremony for wedding rings? And since my daughter just got married, and she was given actually the ring passed down to her husband's side of the family for a couple generations, she's got a very nice wedding ring. It's passed down. How about but, that? And but where is the procedure for wedding rings? Where do we get the idea of headstones? Actually, all that is Jewish, and it comes from basically oral tradition, though it is mentioned in the book of Genesis. I know in the New Testament, Jesus tells the parable of the lost coin, and sometimes we are familiar, I know, uh, in our Christian churches, that is, we often preach upon uh, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, you know, the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, and we talk about that, though, that um, those ten coins that were given to women in marriage at, at, at some point, part of their tradition, and she had lost one of those coins. But I was curious about the rings can you fill us in a little bit more detail about the rings yeah yeah well you know people always get the what we might call the arab or the muslim culture mixed up with the jewish tradition and culture if you go back and look in genesis who gets the gifts given by uh isaac is not the father it is the wife rebecca yeah, if you go back, you'll actually find the passage. Uh huh. Yes, it's given to her, not the father. There's no buying and selling of a bride, and not the but uncle. Her, her uncle, know, her, it was her uncle. Her brother was Laban, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, her father. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the, so, but the same idea. So the uh, but you see, it's given to her. So that's the tradition: wedding gifts and a ring to. The bride. Uh-huh. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting is, like my daughter just got married. She got married under a, what's called hupa, which is really just a large parasha. And uh, and that, too, comes down from Genesis, though it's translated such as words as chamber, robe. Uh, for example, when uh, Rebecca 
comes out and lifts her veil as he translated. Yes. That's, been, that's understood to be a hoopah, believe it or not. How about and that? the real concrete one is in the book of Ruth. Ruth goes to Boaz and says, cover me with your, and they translate the word robe. Well, that's in Hebrew, hoopah. Your prayer shawl. So, and it's what you get married under you. Ah, that's a very, very interesting clarification. It really is. Well, Jacob, and, and you, and, a point well quickly, made. Well, the, and the, real quickly about the circumcision, um, if you, um, in the, it's the same word, same idea of the blood over the door frame in Egypt when they come out of Egypt. It's a circumcision. Why the door frame? Why not on the roof, the windows, whatever? It's a lintel of the door because it looks uh, like a circumcision on a male part of the body. Uh huh. And then even the rainbow of Noah, it's a brick, a circumcision. The same word is used there. Yes. Yeah, so, and what you're doing, you see, you're being circumcised out of death. So, Interesting. We're losing your phone. You're you're dying away on us, fading out into the west. Oh, I'm so sorry. That any better? That's better. Yes. Okay. Well. Uh, all right. Well, I I moved a little bit here. I see. Um. Anyway, but so it's the same word and the rainbow circumcision, uh, the uh, over the blood on the lintel in uh, Egypt coming out circumcision. And it's not hard to visualize it with your imagination I see. of how it could be, because a rainbow's got a curve to it, right. uh, certainly over the door, and the people that are in the house it symbolizes the, uh, the people, the future descendants in a man's body that uh, come I through see. the circumcision. So it's uh-huh. a covenant. And so it has certain meanings, and that's why in the eighth day the little boys are already circumcised. Well, I think the point is very well made and is an important point. I think it's helpful to us in our understanding, and also the whole idea of the the, the reliability, the dependability uh, at a certain level, and like you say, not unguarded and not just believing anything, but that oral tradition can be very accurate and be very helpful in our understanding uh, even of the scriptures. So that's uh, that's an important part of it's an important part of how the scriptures arrive to us. And, right. But it's not it's not unreliable and it's not second rate uh, a kind of um, uh, passing of information and materials. So well, thanks, I hear the music, and I'll let you get on with your show, and I'll see you next week. Good to hear from you, pal. Be careful on the way home, all right? All right, thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was Jacob checking in and giving us some, some good information there from out in Arizona. He's attending his daughter's wedding. He's an in-law now, uh, and so uh, we'll look forward to having him back in the program with us. Well, we're going to continue on. If you'd like to be a part of the program, give me a call, 340-9585. The Bible Live Quiz Show we will be right back. Don't go away. It's Flash Time. Get a jump on your summer fun with Splashtown, San Antonio's favorite family water park. Featuring 20 acres with 40 water slides, the half-million-gallon wave pool, the quarter-mile-long Siesta del Rio, the ever-famous dive-in movies every Friday night, and more. Splashtown is just three minutes north of downtown on I-35 with plenty of free parking. For hours, rates, or advanced discount tickets, surf on over to SplashtownSA.com. A new wave of fun at Splashtown. 
Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor. Carpet cleaning for the 21st century. 831-3535. Become our friend on Facebook. You'll get devotionals, see inspiring videos, and get the inside scoop on contests and events going on at the station. Click on the Facebook icon at KSLR.com. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. I have on my knees as I face the raging seas. In spite of the storm. In spite of the storm, the anchor holds. That's the uh, foundation. That's the anchor we have in life in our relationship with the true and living God through through the Messiah, through the redemptive plan that God had ordained uh, from before the beginning of the earth. Even it says from before the foundations of the earth, uh, the the Messiah was there ready. And uh, in fact, is all of those who in the pre-Messianic era in the time of the prophets in the Old Testament, all of those who came to faith in God and came into the relationship with God, they are there as well because of the sacrifice of Calvary, because of Messiah. They looked forward with faith, uh, faith in God and his uh, forgiveness, faith in God and his provision, um, the whole sacrificial system of all the Old Testament and so on was prefiguring and uh, giving an example of, of of substitutionary atonement. That was the basis by which God would bring his people uh, and would redeem us, would buy us back from our sin and our selfishness and from the kingdom of darkness. He would purchase our redemption through the blood of Messiah. I predicted, and uh, even as early as Genesis chapter 3, remember right after 
the fall of mankind into sin and Adam and Eve. Uh, God makes that promise that he says that I'm going to uh, use the seed of a woman. It's not going to be an extraterrestrial. It's not going to be an angel. It's not going to be an animal. Uh, it, it's going to be a human being of the male persuasion. Uh, he says the seed of a woman and he will crushed the head of Satan, destroyed the work. The Satan had carried out this work of deception and um, tempting mankind into sin, into uh, needing a Savior. And now he says, I'm going to send someone, the seed of a woman, who will crush Satan's head, even though he will be wounded in the heel. You know, it's just a a picture of the, the suffering and the um, what he, what Messiah endured for us on Calvary's cross centuries, centuries later after that first prediction. But throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, throughout the Old Testament, over 300 predictions, over 300, uh, some of them very clear, very specific predictions, um, some of them about the, uh, the Messiah, where he would be, born what era what time he would be born what would be the what would be something of his lifestyle something of his character some of the things that would characterize his life and his ministry and all over 300 of these predictions and prophecies are fulfilled in the life of Jesus of Nazareth that's that's the strength of his claim uh Jesus himself claimed to be that long awaited promised redeemer that mashiach mashiach uh, that messiah so uh there we have it all the way from the beginning and uh we are reading uh, through those scriptures we've read in the hebrew scriptures all the way now down to the book of isaiah we read the first 14 chapters of isaiah this past week on thursday and friday uh we got into the book of isaiah but before that earlier in the week we were reading from the books of timothy first and second timothy Titus and Philemon. So I've already put some questions out there on the airwaves that you are welcome to answer. You can give us a call, 340-9585, 340-9585. You can call in and answer any of these questions. If you answer them correctly, you'll hear our well-done, good and faithful caller <laughs> signal, and we will um, register your correct answer and send you uh, an envelope filled with uh, coupons and gift certificates from the Bible Live Quiz Show, including uh, some uh, four tickets to Splashtown uh, for you and the family to enjoy. So uh, if you'd like to give us a call, answer any of those questions, the phone number is 340-9585. I'll repeat some of them. There is a well-known worship hymn that is based on Psalm 104, a well-known worship hymn. Can you tell me what hymn it was? Maybe I can bring up a, uh, uh, a kind of a musical version of that and give you a little bit of a hint with it in just a moment. A city without walls, according to Proverbs chapter 25, a city without walls is as defenseless as a person, a man or an individual without what? A city without walls is as defenseless as a person Without what? And then finally, from Proverbs chapter 26, honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to what? Uh, All right, you can give us an answer to that question. Let's go and visit with Robert. He's the first to call in tonight. Let me see if I can get the right button pushed. Hi, Robert. How are you? Hi. uh, 
Mr. Soapy Dollar. Good to hear from you, pal. What's up? You got an answer for us? Well, I, uh, that, if a man casts off restraint, that's uh, that's the proverb. Exactly. A that's, city uh, without walls is as defenseless as a person, a man, without discipline or self-restraint, self-control. I've that makes thinking, perfect sense to me. <laughs> yes, I've been thinking our country has been casting off restraint, but I see that uh, maybe Donald Trump is going to slip from the slip from the race with a, a silly comment that he made. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I tell he, you, you know, it, he, he's been making so many great points. But one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't restrain his tongue. Yeah. And uh, he, he may have gotten himself in trouble there. And But I was kind of hoping that maybe this would be a turnaround for our country. I, I kind of gave up once we did the bailout in 2008. I kind of said, well, my country's kind of dead. Yeah. But, uh, uh yeah, you're uh, right. We've been in a long, long kind of a continual spiral from the time we've done away, you know, a prayer from our young people in the schools mm-hmm. and Bible and all this this long series of and abortion being a part of that. We, and it just this long kind of a slow spiral, and it seems to have uh, accelerated a bit here recently as well. And yeah, and so I agree, Robert. I've kind of grieved a lot over the country and hoped and that we would turn, and yet. Uh, do you find, as I do, that some of these Old Testament passages, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the, the prophets there, some of those texts and some of those passages are coming to have a lot more meaning to me now. I'm, I'm beginning to understand them a little bit better because we seem to be going through somewhat the same thing that the people of Israel at, in those times, they too were struggling with, with this yes. long spiral downward. And it, it yes. makes more sense of the scriptures to me now. Yes, there's one scripture you brought out tonight about the daughters of, of Zion, or Zbat Zion, I think, and, uh-huh. and they were uh, they they came in for condemnation. But I, I feel sorry for our women. Uh, I, I I feel the men are kind of letting them down. Uh, so maybe that's kind of uh, that's kind of not an application that I I see today. I, yeah. I feel like our men are letting our women down, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're, not women, they're just, they're, we're not providing the leadership. Uh, they're just there to yeah. love us. Let's uh, see what happens. You know, you know, it could be God in His mercy and His grace will hear our call. The thing that the thing that encourages me, Robert, is that what does God look at when He decides to act and when He decides to redeem? He, he has that judgment at, uh, on his side. Yeah. So we really don't know. Well, uh, he he doesn't. Uh, I will say this: he doesn't look at the culture at large. He doesn't look at the unsaved. He doesn't look at the. Uh, he looks primarily at his people. He says, uh, "If my people." And so, uh, really, though, the people of God may be a, a, a very uh, big a minority uh, in yeah. our society, but it's to us that God looks. And if, and if yeah. we will humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, yes. see that that's the hopeful thing. I, I, and I, I do see, I have seen for, for years evidence that there is a praying, there I, is a praying minority. There's a very yes. important group of people on their knees and praying. I see, and uh, it's I see revival. Uh, it may not seem that way, but I actually, among the remnant, I, I yeah. see revival. I think I you're see right. more studying, yeah. uh, I, like the National Day of Prayer, we gathered and and right. and, and uh, all we gathered in our small groups and prayed. Uh, True. I, 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 as far as the remnant, I think maybe our country's being sanctified through the remnant. But uh, I think big things may be coming with this fourth blood moon and the end of the Shemitah. Yeah. Uh, it could be a time of when judgment does start to fall, yeah. especially with uh, this what the Supreme Court uh, came came down yeah. recently, yeah. which is really just a reflection of our society as a whole. 
I, I think it could be a time for judgment, yeah. and it could be planned. Some people say the 70th uh, Yobel, the 70th Jubilee, uh, it may be time for it. Yeah. Uh, it well, it's, it's already begun. The, the, I the think, time when, when yeah. the Israelites came out of Egypt. Exactly. The judgment has, we have been under uh, an, an, an a kind of an accelerating or ever increasing tension and tightness of God's judgment. God has been spanking us, calling us back, calling us back. Uh, so there's been plenty of warning. One thing that God always gave in the scriptures when he judged his people, he always gave lots of warning. Yes. Uh, it was never suddenly. Now, the end, the final judgment sometimes came very suddenly, but it always was the, uh, it came at the tail end of a lot of warning, a lot of calling, yeah. a lot of beckoning, uh, and a lot of opportunities to turn around. And I think we've been going through that for some while now, for maybe a I decade think or so. two. I yeah. think if 9-11 doesn't wake us up, if people like that uh, that, that terrorist who shot the Marines and yeah. that sailor, if that doesn't wake us up, uh, I, I, I know uh, I'll take Jacob's part here uh, since he's in... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, go for since it. He's, since he's overseas. Uh, is the, the middle name of that assassin was Yosef. Which is uh, or Yosef, yeah. which is uh, it means like uh, there's going to be more because once uh, Joseph was born, uh, uh, his mother uh, Rachel said, uh, "Oh, now my womb's open. Now there's going to be more." So, uh, interesting his middle name means uh, this I is see. the iceberg, and uh, uh, it, it could be that uh, we're going to have men like that all tricked out in uh, yeah. full full riot gear in the Middle East uh, coming after Israel. Yeah, because uh, the uh, the Western countries uh, they seem to want mercenaries rather than to actually send their own armies. They may they may trick out uh, Muslims to uh, to try to keep order over there. And they, you're playing with fire right there. Yeah, we are. We're playing playing with uh, forces that we we they could really not be in uh, can easily controlled. You're exactly right. Uh, there's there's a man who said that the the uh, the seventy the seventy A.D. Uh, invasion, uh, even though it's uh, Titus is uh, attributed uh, as a leader for uh, acting for uh, for the government of Rome. For Rome, yeah. But uh, there's there's talk that a lot of that was mercenary uh, action by the Arabs. Yes, and uh, it seems to me like Edom, the Edomites played a part in that mm-hmm. uh, a, a part in that particular judgment as well. Well, listen, Robert, you've you've laid some very important, heavy thoughts on this, and they're very. I mean, I, I hear you, and I think you're well thought out. They're well, clearly based. Uh, the, your, in, your show is is you know one of the very very best. Uh, man, I appreciate I, that. I I I, I uh, you know it's. I I wish uh, maybe it could it could catch fire. It, 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 I think it will at some point in time, uh, if, if if you have the opportunity. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate that, and I it's my prayer too. I, I think I do it out of uh, love for the scriptures and a passion for the word, and and I think of God's calling. In this passage we look at tonight in Timothy, uh, mm-hmm. Paul told Timothy. I'll go ahead and give the answer to that question in First Timothy four thirteen. He told Timothy, "Until I come to visit you." Give attention reading. to reading the scriptures to the church, you know. So yeah. <laughs> I've always you know, felt like we're doing an important thing. It's important because, uh, uh, you know, uh, you're basically reading the whole council. And, and uh, that's the funny thing about your show is uh, you have a Jewish man on and you have yourself on. And it's like the the, the Jews, they add it to uh, the word and the uh, 
Christians, they took away a lot from the word, and but you're trying to do the whole thing. <laughs> let's try to get, yeah, let's accurately divide this, uh, the word of God. Exactly right. Uh-huh. Robert, you're just a, a real encouragement to me. I appreciate it. Would oh, you like oh, me uh, to, would you like to get a little package of our, if you have grandchildren? Yeah, somewhere? yeah, you can, you can send me the, the prizes if, if you want to. I'd love to because, uh, well, you know, the Splashdown tickets, you got, might have grandkids or someone that would really enjoy those, and that, that would be a, a blessing to us. So we're going to send you four tickets to Splashdown and some other gift certificates as well, all right? Okay, shalom alaikum. Don't, you don't hang up on me now. Hang in there, and I'm going to put him on hold, and he's going to talk to John, and John's going to get the information to send our prize package to Robert. Very good answer he gave to the Scripture. A city without walls is defenseless, just like a person without self-control, without discipline. And you know what his remark there about... Uh, about uh, the um, financier, the, about the businessman from New York City, Donald Trump, he, his answer just might be really uh, accurate there because uh, there was a, kind of a, an appeal to Trump in the sense of he, he kind of broke away from political correctness, which I think some of the things he said were very, um, it was important that they be said, some of the topics, some of the themes he brings up, it's important to talk about them without fear of of being you know, politically incorrect and so on. So in some ways, he has been a refreshing uh, influence on the political um, process here as we look for nominees for the Republican Party uh, nomination for president. But on the other hand, you know, you got to control and that tongue, you know, remember what there, there's another passage in James that talks about uh, the tongue is like a fire. The tongue is like a the rudder of a ship. Uh, the tongue is like, a, you know, the horse that needs to be controlled, uh, the, the bit of the horse. We have to control that tongue. And maybe that's uh, that could end up being his downfall in a sense. But, uh, well, he was I'll be honest, he never was really my favorite candidate. Uh, so maybe who knows what the Lord might be doing and we'll just keep praying and, uh, hopefully we'll get some godly, uh, there, did you find it interesting as well in the debates, uh, with the great number of, of candidates there are, there, there is a good number of them who claim, uh, to to claim faith in Jesus, the Messiah, they claim faith in God, a devotion to God, uh, and, and a serious devotion. Uh, now, at different levels, that doesn't mean they're all solidly biblically informed and mature uh, Christian believers. But the, uh, I would say, what of of the uh, of the seventeen? Would you say maybe half a dozen or so, six or eight of them, seem to clearly. Uh, profess a faith in the God of the Scriptures, the God of the Bible. Uh, the clearer that profession is and the more mature that uh, faith in God, and the, more, a clearer, the clearer the vision of, uh, of the God of the Bible, who he is and what he stands for, uh, to me that is what I'm looking for. And I, I think there are, there are several of them that seem to have very uh, clear, mature faith um, you, you may want to call in and talk about one of them. If you'd like, 340-9585, you would be glad to hear from you. Maybe what you have discovered, what you've heard from the different candidates, uh, you'd like to say something about them. 340-9585. Uh, I was going through some of the questions that are that you can answer. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 3, at the end of chapter 3 in the book of Isaiah, 
Isaiah gives a warning of judgment to a specific group of Jerusalem's citizens. Uh, What group was that? Who were they? And I'll give you a little hint. We just, uh, Robert, who was our first caller tonight, he talked a little bit about that group uh, in our conversation there about Donald Trump. Donald Trump kind of got himself crosswise with this very important group of American society uh, and the American population. So what group of citizens does Isaiah warn of judgment and they're in the latter part of chapter of chapter three specifically look at chapter three verses 16 through 26 of the book of isaiah uh what vision of god did isaiah have that resulted in his commitment to serve god as a prophet remember isaiah had a vision of god um He said, in the year that King Uzziah, now Uzziah is another name for Azariah uh, in your Bible, the kings of, of, um, uh, of Judah. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. What vision, what, what vision of the Lord did Isaiah have? that resulted in his commitment to serve God as a prophet. Just look at Isaiah chapter 6. It's a beautiful passage. Uh, What was the vision that he had of the true and living God? Then I'll go to this uh, passage. Uh, Let me see. Do we have any more? Let me see. Uh, What well-known worship hymn is based on Psalm 104? What well-known worship hymn is based? I, I might give you a hint about that one. Let me see what I can do. To find, let me see here. Let me try this. Uh, I'm going to try to give you a hint. What was the name of that uh, well-known worship hymn that we sing in our uh, our churches that comes right out of Psalm 104? Let me see if I can. Maybe I can bring it up and you can hear a um, a portion of it. I hope I don't ruin my question here by playing this for you. Let me see if I can get it to play here and see if you recognize this hymn. I hope I don't mess up my uh, give you the answer inadvertently. Psalm 104. All right, that's enough for the moment. That's all the hint you get. Uh, do you recognize that hymn? If you do, give me a call, 340-9585, 340-9585. It's, the, uh, it's a great hymn. We, it's sung quite often in um, all of our churches probably. We, I think we're all fairly familiar with it. And it comes. it's based out of Psalm 104. It's so always been interesting to me. Often we sing uh, many of the great hymns of the church, these songs that we love and recognize, and uh, without our knowledge, uh, they uh, just a great number of them have their roots uh, and their their words, the words, the lyrics coming straight right out of the scriptures. So if you know that one, give me a call three four zero ninety five. 85. Uh, Sill is on the line with me tonight. Hi, Sill. Hey, how are you? Am I getting the word, your name pronounced correctly? 
Yes, you are. Yes, good, good, Seal. Good to hear from you. Is that? Let me see. I'm guessing. I'm trying to guess what longer name Seal might be short for. Philip. <laughs> Philip. Oh, Phil. Phil. Okay, I was thinking Seal, like a, like a. I don't know. No, like Philip in the Bible. Oh, there you go. You got it then. Well, Philip, thank you for calling. I'm glad you're there. Let's see. Did you have one of the questions in mind you wanted to answer for us, or did you have something else on your heart to talk about? No, I just turned on the radio and I just heard the song. I don't, I don't know if I had the name to the song or not, but I'd like to give it a, you know, just a try. I kind of have a feeling you know the name of that song. What is it? Let's give it a I'm, shot. I'm thinking it is "How Great Thou." How great thou art! You're exactly right. Uh, it's let me let me see. I'll get it get it up here again for us, and let's get a different version and play a little bit of it. Uh, when I in awesome there you go. You got it exactly yeah. right. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Yeah, let me see this one. Oh, I recognize this. This is uh, one of your favorite. This is one of your favorite artists and mine. You, you recognize who's singing this version? Oh wow. <laughs> you recognize that voice? Yes, I do. Uh, the king, right? Uh, On the graves, right? The king. <laughs> Elvis Presley singing How yeah. Great Thou Art. Well, good for you. You got it exactly right. That comes right out of Psalm 104. Uh, actually, it, it talks about the stars, uh, as does the hymn. It talks uh, just so uh, uh, it's it's beautiful, very specific. Beautiful, I'm really yeah. well. I'm glad you answered that for us. You can look that people can look that up. Uh, let me get you. Can I get you to take a shot at another question? Maybe you can answer another one for us. Maybe. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, you've already won your prizes. Don't worry. There's the, no uh, losing of, of there. But I was wondering, do you happen to know? Who it was that influenced Timothy uh, to seek the Lord and influenced him to come to faith in Messiah? Oh, mm. it's someone in his family. I'll put it that way. Second Timothy chapter one. It's someone in his family. Um, I'll even say that Timothy. It was. He, it, it, um, it was one of his parents. Oh, I can't think of the next. I want to say Timothy. You, you, you got a you got a fifty fifty shot. Was it his, was it his father or was it his mother? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Take a guess. I'll, I'll give you this. The name was Eunice. Does that sound like a man? His mother. Isn't it? It's his, his mother. mother. Exactly. His mother. Yes. <laughs> there yes. we go, Philip. Good. Yeah, it was his mother, uh, Eunice, who led him to faith in Christ, and his his grandmother, Lois, it's always, great. almost, yes. always, yes. also had an impact in helping Timothy to grow in the Lord to become the the young man of God, the young pastor that he became. Well, Phil, I appreciate you calling in. I really do. And uh, do you mind hanging on? And I'm going to put down some names. Uh, We're going to put down your address so I can send you some Splashtown tickets and some other tickets as well. Thank you so much. God bless you. Glad to do it, pal. I really am. Thank you for being a part. Now, I'm going to put you on hold. Don't hang up. Okay. Who'd you say we have on after Phil? All right. Let's talk with Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello? Am I? There you are, Steve. Good to hear from you, man. Are you on with me? Do you hear me? Yes. You're, yes. Uh, you're a little 
real hard to hear, but uh, okay. I'm on a cell phone anyway. But I'll speak um, up as loud as I can. And uh, uh, what what question did you want to answer tonight? Um, well, uh, I think uh, the vision that Isaiah had was the glory of the Lord filling the temple. Is the vision true? of the Lord filling the temple. What a what a majestic, beautiful, powerful vision that must have been. Uh, he, he saw the Lord in his temple, and smoke filled the temple, and his train, and the, the angels, the seraphims. Uh, what what song uh, were they singing? Do you remember the? I I don't remember that right off. No, um, I think so. you do. I think you do. They, they, it really wasn't. I I don't know. Does it say it's a song? Uh, it, but they were saying three word. They were saying one right. word over and over again. Well, they they were saying holy, holy, holy. Probably there you go. That's right. Exactly. Holy, holy. Now, I don't know if it was that hymn, but but they were saying holy, holy, holy. Uh, is the Lord. It's a really beautiful, majestic passage, isn't it? Yes. You can see how it moved and stirred Isaiah, and evidently this was the the, the vision that led him to a time of commitment. Um, he said, that Attending him were two mighty seraphim. Each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with It was really, and and that made him see God as he is, and then he saw himself in his need and his own sinfulness, and he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It's just a a glorious passage of uh, of God revealing himself to this man. Thank you so much for Philip. Could you hang on and give your information to John, and we'll send you a, a packet of our prizes, all right? Sure. Sure appreciate you calling in. Don't hang up now. Well, there, that's how easy it is, folks. 340-9585. Don't go away. There you were, hanging blameless on a cross. You would rather die than leave us in the dark. Listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. During history's darkest hour. Alright, we are back. What a consolation to know that God is there. Even in the midst of our troubles as a society, as a culture now, uh, America is drifting. There is no doubt about it. We're not making it up. Uh, and I don't think anyone would uh, really. I, I, it seems to be one thing that uh, believers and non-believers alike seem to be agreed upon is the fact that uh, we have lost our moorings. We have uh, the the anchor has slipping in America, and we have lost something very very important to our society. And it's not just the economy; 
Uh, it's not just uh, anything. It's thing. It, there's something spiritual. There's something wrong with the with the core, with the soul of America. And uh, I, I, it seems to be that we're coming to a consensus on that. Now, as to what is wrong, I'm not sure if we're ready to agree yet. But um, it, to those of us who know and follow the God of the Bible, uh, and we know and understand our nation and its history and, and uh, what what has happened, how we came to greatness, prosperity, and so on, uh, we believe that it is that we've drifted away from acknowledging and serving and obeying uh, the true and living God. Uh, and uh, there is there used to be a consensus, a, a consensus of morality uh, in the in the um, America as it was founded. It doesn't mean that every person, every American citizen was a believer and the whole nation, everyone uh, there. You'd be surprised if you read some of the reports and especially in the times of awakening, the great American awakening and and the revival times. There were times when when um, uh, our presidents, our leaders, there was uh, was a clear devotion to God and to the scriptures and a clear acknowledgement and and that, that. we need him in our lives and our families and so on. Um, there, there, were, there was a consensus of that, a general consensus across the nation. And our, our laws and our, and our practices as a society uh, were in line with biblical values, uh, the, the value of life, the protecting of human innocent life, uh, and uh, the, the value of marriage and home and family and, and wedding vows meaning something and the care of children and the the defense of children and the care for children all of those things were principles that that were very deep deeply uh entwined and deeply into our national mindset and of course that that is biblically informed those values uh, and strengthened because of our of our roots in biblical evangelicalism in fact so um We've drifted. We've gone away, and we have experienced God's protection, His provision through the centuries, through the decades. Uh, but now in the last 50 or 60 years, some of us who've been along, alive long enough, we saw this coming way back in the 60s as we were coming out of World War II and the time of prosperity of the 50s and so on, and the, and the, and the difficult time of Vietnam as we tried to stem the flow and the growth and the expansion of communism around the planet. Um, we, there came this, this rebellion, this spirit of rebellion against authority, against parents and so on. On a generation, uh, kind of a rebellious generation at that time, uh, began to rise up, and uh, we saw this division. You know, the the hippies and the and the um, the rebellious and the pot smoking and the drugs and the LSD and the burning of you know the demonstrations and the burning of the flag and all these things. Um, we knew at the time that this was not going to end well if that particular mindset was victorious, and of course it has been. Uh, the Clintons of the world, uh, they come out of that hippie, rebellious uh, culture, and now, of course, they are in power, and they're the epitome of power in the establishment, but uh, there, there was, you had that particular movement across America in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the sexual revolution, and the, all of these things that came with it, and then on the other hand, you had uh, the Jesus movement, you had this counter-movement that 
of, of back to faith and back to simplicity. And uh, you had the, the movement of Campus Crusade for Christ was raised up as a movement, a great evangelical movement of that era coming out of the 50s and 60s um, at the same time. So you've had these two battling forces uh, battling for the soul of America. Um, it looks as though... Uh, uh, it looks as though we were out battled. We were out fought. They gained control of some of the uh, major institutions of our society: education, uh, the courts. Uh, education meaning not only higher education, starting with the universities and so on, but now down into uh, the um, elementary, middle school, high schools as well. A strong uh, uh, influence that that the world. Uh, that that culture had on the educational realm. And, of course, uh, they've just been different. They've established different beachheads in some of these major institutions. And, of of course, they got control, primary control, to a great decree of one of the major political parties. Uh, The Democratic Party fell uh, clearly under the the great influence of the left, of, of socialism, of of, uh, of these forces uh, that go against and mandate against a biblical worldview. The other uh, Democratic Party being the great champion of a lot of these causes that are so very terribly against God's word, whether it be uh, against life and, and support of, of Planned Parenthood and an abortion of, of uh, innocent children, innocent babies, millions of innocent children having been uh, uh, killed, not to use the word slaughtered even, that um, because of that anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-biblical worldview. And so uh, the, the Democratic Party has fallen unto, uh, fallen under the control of those uh, forces. It's a great coalition of, uh, of godless, uh, uh, very wicked, and very dangerous uh, mindsets. Uh, and I'm not saying everyone who's a Democrat, I'm not saying, but I'm saying the, the party itself has fallen under the control of that leftist uh, uh, agenda, anti-biblical biblical worldview agenda. And, uh, and of course, many have abandoned over the, I remember when I was growing up, Texas at one time was uh, a Democratic state. I mean, you when we were younger, I don't think you could run for any office in the state of Texas, Texas unless you were a Democrat, because that was the primary, the strongest um, um, party in our um, in our state. Uh, Johnson, you know, was a, uh, a Democrat and others. Um, but now in the time of the 80s was the beginning of the big flip. And like like Ronald Reagan said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. And a lot and lots and millions and millions have made that same decision. And Texas, in, in specifically, the great state of Texas has done a, a, a total change, a total flip, and that now all of the major offices state, uh, statewide are held by Republicans, more conservative, more biblical worldview, not perfect by any, by any measure, but at least not falling to some of those more radical uh, anti um, 
uh, biblical, anti-God, uh, the Bible at least, the God of the Bible, uh, views that have become so prevalent across the nation. And it's not just moral things. It's not just the social issues. It has to do with the economy as well. The economy at its core, economic uh, conversations are not neutral. They're not morally neutral. Uh, economic conversations are also have a moral foundation. Uh, the, the right of private property to ownership uh, that is being challenged. Uh, the More and more we're moving uh, to a socialistic view where the, the government, the central government, Government is all powerful and takes uh, money from people, takes their and then redistributing it, giving money to buy the votes of other people and other different classes of people by taking the money of others. Uh, at its very core, socialism is immoral. It's actually stealing. Uh, just because you're the government doesn't give you the right to do anything you want. A lot of people think, well, it's legal. Well, being legal doesn't make something morally right or healthy, and it doesn't make it uh, good and right. And so we've seen more and more as a government, with the, as a central government, particularly in Washington, grows and grows and grows and extending its power uh, well out of the constitutional boundaries that uh, we're it, it is having this terrible uh, influence on the economy, on the moral state of the country, and on families, on on, the, on working people. Uh, it's detrimental. So we, I don't know if we'll come to our senses. I don't know, uh, as uh, Robert was talking about, I don't know that we might see a turnaround, a genuine re- a repentance and a turning away from these things. Uh, I pray that we will, and I pray that God in his grace would give us uh, godly, uh, reliable uh, leaders. That is, you know, one of the areas of, of um, judgment when God does judge a culture or a society. The, if you look in the scriptures, you'll find the different ways He does it. Yes, sometimes there there is uh, um, economic consequences. Sometimes there are famine. Uh, sometimes the crops fail. Sometimes uh, we're invaded by uh, by. There are invasions of insects. You know the. Um, Locust invasions and the the crops fail. There's there's droughts. Water dries up, as we're seeing out in California, and as we felt a drought here in Texas, even. And there are things that happen uh, that God uses to try to get our attention. And some of those things are natural uh, uh, disasters: earthquakes, hurricanes, fires that burn millions of acres and destroying crops and homes. Uh, there are other things: the rising crime that has come uh, and, and lawlessness. Across the land, there, there there are a number of these things, and but some of those two ways that God judges the people of Israel and, and Judah in the Old Testament was that He gave them uh, corrupt, inept uh, leaders, leaders who were incapable, who were who really didn't have a clue about what it was to lead the nation, and uh, I think that's what we are now. We've got a very wicked. A wicked uh, man in the White House now, terribly standing for extremely wicked uh, practices and wicked things going on. Um, of course, just like in the Old Testament, like Ahab and other of uh, the wicked uh, kings of Israel, they claim uh, to worship God. They try to put on a veneer of religiosity, uh, and it's but but if you. But if we just look on the basis of actions, not on the basis of words, uh, flowery words and good speaking, uh, we, we see very clearly 
that uh, there's a great need of repentance. There's a great need of of uh, turning away from that sin and repenting and turning to God. And, uh, of course, I don't see any evidence of that going on in our present leadership. Not only the president, but we, we could look at our Congress. We could look at our courts. Um, there doesn't, there, you can see there are those who do know God, and you can tell them quite easily uh, as they speak, as they talk, and the values and the and the um, the policies, the social policies that they support and stand for. Uh, they are very clearly uh, they're becoming clearer and clearer in the differences between them. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Well, maybe you'd like to sound off and talk a little bit about this. I'm I just kind of giving my kind of uh, just as one. Other informed and 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 uh, Jesus loving, Bible believing, um, spirit led person who is trying to say, well, what is it? What's going on in our land? And one who has studied the times and tried to get a sense of them. We've got some great spokespeople uh, increasingly who are trying to speak out and and clarify things for us. Maybe you'd like to uh, share something as well. I feel as he called in tonight, and Robert as well. Both of them had some very uh, cogent ideas, some very lucid thinking, and uh, it, it made a lot of sense. They seem to be praying in the same vein, in the same uh, path and, and thinking that I am as I look at the Scriptures and how they inform us today. So maybe you'd like to call in and, and um, share something of your thoughts about, oh, I don't know, about the political situation, about the, the debates about where we are, or maybe you'd just like to answer maybe some of the questions that we have. Uh, let me repeat some of them. Young Pastor Titus, from the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 5, this young pastor was working with the churches on an island. What was the name of the island? Titus, chapter 1, verse 5. Chatter, Titus, chapter 1, verse 5. What was the island where Titus was pastoring a church. And then uh, in Paul's letter to Philemon, um, who is Onesimus? Who is Onesimus? That's interesting. Um, I was looking at another question. And you find the answer to that in chapter 1, uh, one chapter of Philemon, verses 10 through 16. Do you know who who is Onesimus? The letter was written from Paul to a man named Philemon, who is a wealthy believer in Thessalon- Thessalonica, if I remember correctly, and uh, who lived there. And he wrote a letter back from Rome. He had met someone named Onesimus. And I want to, I'm asking you, who was Onesimus? Tell me what you know about this one, and what did he have to do with Philemon? You know, why, why was he writing to Philemon about this person, Onesimus? Um, now let's go to um, the Timothy. The passages in Timothy said, what was the last biblical epistle that Paul wrote before his death? What was the last biblical epistle or letter that Paul wrote before his death. <laughs> okay, now that's not found in an actual Bible passage, but maybe you know that from general Bible knowledge. Who's on the line with me now, John? I'm sorry. All right, Austin. I thought maybe he was saying someone was calling from the city of Austin, but his name is Austin. Hi, how are you doing, young man? Hi, I'm doing well. Good to hear your voice, Austin. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Um I wanted to uh, state how much I admired your guts with that uh, speech you just gave. 
uh, <laughs> indicting the president and 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 drawing attention well, to various things. I I I, with that. I get it. I think at a time I, I might have been more hesitant about saying, but it seems to me like Austin that it's becoming more clear and it's becoming more necessary that that we really actually talk clearly. I I don't I I don't. I don't have much respect for the individual man, but it's not based upon just a political party. It's it's what we've seen and the things that are the actions that are taken and so on. Uh, and I do pray and hope that there might be a, a repentance and a turning and a, a seeking the true and living God and, and getting his life and his you know views turned around. But um, it's it's a little too late to kind of be kind of kind of whimpering around the sidelines. I guess we have to kind of say what we think and uh, people may disagree but uh, I, I do appreciate it. I guess I, I didn't feel particularly brave I feel more natural about it now just simply from a biblical point of view it looks like that would be I think that that would be the uh, the view of, of of the scriptures as well of, of a leader who who has supported the kind of things he has well, how, how do you what are you thinking what are your I, I appreciate you calling and saying that but do you uh, how, do you have any kind of a sense about where we are, what's going on? I'm sure you do in the culture. You're a young person. Oh, yeah. you, you sound young. Yeah, on the on the one side, you know, I've got kind of a pessimistic view that that God has his plans and and there's not much we can do about it heading toward the end of the world because it, it just seems to be heading that way. And on the other hand, I, I got to think, well, I don't know the mind of God and and all these generations before me have thought that theirs was the generation of the end of the world. So we got to keep fighting the best we can. True. Whatever we think is happening. Yeah. And uh, and I kind of feel like the thing to do maybe is to do a lot of prayer and fasting. And and I didn't know how to do that before. I used to hear that and think I, I can't come up with enough words for a couple hours. How am I supposed to pray and fast? For three days or a couple <laughs> weeks, like some of these I mega know. Christians. Yeah, it seems. But like then that. I thought, well, what if I just, when I run out of words, I just keep sitting there, or since I'm I'm kind of stuck on my sides because of my back. Yeah. What if I just keep standing there and meditating, and just wait until something else comes into my head until the allotted time has has elapsed. Yeah, just stay in the presence of the Lord. Way. Yeah, just continue in the presence. Yeah, there's, there's. I've, I've been around a lot of these. Uh, we, we, they call them. They think of themselves as intercessors. These men and women who often do dedicate themselves to many hours, and I've noticed that they do. Um, they, they sing hymns. Uh, that helps them, um, you know, give variety in their thing. They sing some of the great hymns, uh, songs of praise and worship. They they sometimes pray from the scriptures. They let uh, some of the, um, the psalms, for example, often uh, they will pray those back to the Lord. And, and uh, I, I've always found that that's kind of of a helpful way. In turn, you know, when you're when you're trying to spend an extended time. And uh, just uh, all their devotional books that sometimes people use and help if they're good, solid, you know, biblical based. But I know what you mean. Uh, it's uh, prayer and just that's what the scriptures say. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And so I, I congratulate you and I thank you so very much because in doing you are part any of God's people who comes to that point and serious minded and is praying for the nation and is serious about that 
and is seeking to walk with Lord. And, uh, and we're not claiming we're great spiritual giants, and but we're, we're sincere that we want to serve God and we're turning to the Lord for forgiveness and cleaning and strength, for cleansing and strength. You're part of the solution, Austin. That, that's that's what it's going to take. It's millions of us uh, uh, doing that. The, uh, I, I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but I do want to say the, a couple of things to what you said is, one, the great criteria to determine uh, what God is doing and how God will deal with us, our nation. There are two great factors. One of them is His people. He looks to us. He doesn't look to the to the unbelievers. He doesn't look to those outside the church, outside the faith. He looks to those who are following after Him and seeking Him. And we are we determine to a great extent. And the other factor there is the harvest. God, God's heart and mind and, and his eyes are always combing the entire planet Earth, over 7 billion people. And so to what degree uh, are we, the, the, the church or the believers, the God, God's people here in this land, to what degree are we seeking after him and to what degree are we uh, investing our life in the furtherance of his kingdom? If 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 the answer to both of those is positive and good, as it has been for many decades and centuries here in America, America has been for the last two hundred years or more the great motor of missions, the great motor of evangelism, or taking the gospel of Christ yeah. to nations and people groups around the world, and and that I think has been part of the blessing of God on the nation. Uh, and so I guess I, I would just I think say that may have been part of the purpose of the nation. It might well have been in our calling as a people. But I guess what I'm saying is that it's not totally. Uh, in other words, sometimes we are tempted to a little bit of fatalism going, well, I don't know uh, on what I don't know. What are the what are the um, uh, criteria that God uses to judge America? Is there anything that we know of that? And we kind of go back to fatalism and say, well, God's going to do what he's going to do. And maybe it's the end times and so on. But. We're not entirely without guidance. If you think of those two factors, yeah. he looks to his people, our hearts, not to the to the lost world. He looks to our hearts and our sincerity, and he looks to our degree to what degree we are contributing to the extension of his kingdom. And I I would say that also means uh, his keeping his commands and his word as far as the values of you know of life and so on and so on. But in other words, it's we're not entirely without understanding of what moves God and, and on what basis God raises up a nation or puts down another nation. Um, there are some, there are some, some guide, there's some guidance that comes to us from the scriptures and particularly in God's dealings with the people of Israel. And we know about their struggles, ups and downs, and, and that helps us to understand, uh, how God might be dealing with us today. Uh, it really does. Can, yeah. Hey, I was wondering, Austin, I, I, I'm, you can say anything you want, but I'm wondering, might you be able to help us with some of the questions we're looking at too? Uh, maybe. I doubt too much, but, um, <laughs> I bet I you know who, also on the, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I think also on this issue that uh, God's plans in terms of fatalism are, to a large extent, uh, determined by his foreknowledge of what we're going to do. And uh, if if history has shown anything, when people don't act, then not much happens. And optimists tend to have a great deal of success compared with fatalists. 
Yes, exactly. I think you're exactly right. Fatalism does kind of lead to a, lead to a paralysis. You know, we, we I don't know what to do, so I don't do anything. But I uh, I think you're on the right track. You're not you're not totally falling into the deal. Well, there's nothing we can do, and but you're saying, you know, you can pray, and, and you you know, we can all. There's something in our hand, our heart, our mind that God puts that we can each do at our level. You know, at our level, and just do what. Do what we can, each one of us, and 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 God knows. I know He does, and I, I do believe His eye is on His people, and what what we will do. Well, let me uh, let me let you talk to uh, John. Would you mind if I send you one of our gift packages? Uh, that's all right. I I got. I'm getting one. Okie dokie. All right. Well, thanks for calling, man. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Okay, Austin. Good to hear from you. Young pastor Titus was dealing with the churches on the island of Crete. Onesimus was a slave that Paul was returning to his master. And Isaiah gave a warning of judgment to the women of Jerusalem. What a message is there for us. See you next Sunday, folks, here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. ...to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.